Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Step Discussion for a Monday night. Once again, it is the 15th of January, 2018. We're halfway through the month already. And uh, it seems like four days ago was New Year's. But time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I hope everybody has been safe and uh, is surviving the uh, weather and onslaught of health issues that are uh, pervasive around the country. We've got another winter storm that's uh, creating havoc for a lot of people after the previous one with uh, flooding and then uh, ice jams on rivers and uh, many, I, I saw pictures today of cars up to their uh, top of the windshields in uh, standing water and ice and stuff's freezing then, and I mean, what a mess. It's uh, And then, of course, after the fires in California, they're dealing with uh, uh, very deadly mudslides out there because all the vegetation is burned off of the uh, mountainsides, and uh, they get some rain, and everywhere there's mud, mud, mud. So uh, it's not a pretty picture, but I hope everybody is staying safe and uh, doing the best that they can, because that's all we can do. All you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. And uh, I do need to do a disclaimer here, as always, and tell everybody what you hear on this call is discussion. That's why it's called Dallas Death Discussion. It's discussion of uh, legal issues, uh, in large part surrounding uh, debt issues, the consumer protection statutes that we talk about, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, and the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. And uh, this is about education. It's about helping people understand the consumer protection statutes, understand how to read them, and understand how to properly, keyword there, properly use the courts to enforce your rights under those statutes. So, uh, if you're here for legal advice, uh, you're in the wrong spot. Go find a bar-licensed attorney. Uh, they will charge you, and they will give you legal advice. We don't even know what it is, so even if we uh, made an attempt to give legal advice, we couldn't do it. We really don't know what it is. Never been able to identify that. So with all that said, we always want to start with good news uh, and by the way, everybody, when you come on this call, you are unmuted. I ask everybody to please mute themselves when they come on a call. That way we don't have the errant noise and uh, disruptions. We have a lot of people listen to these calls uh, when they're archived because uh, there's you know various people with other activities. They work at night or whatever, and, and they can't... Uh, uh, attend the calls live, so they listen and learn from these calls uh, at another time, and we want to have them clean so that people can understand what's being said. So if you don't mute yourself and you are causing noise, I have this little button that I can click on here, and I can mute you. So please don't make me do that. I don't like to do that if I don't have to, but I will if I have to. Bottom line is we want to have a quiet call. We want everybody to be courteous to everybody else. Uh, 
we always start with good news, and that's what we're going to do tonight, as always. I just want to ask and see if anybody has any good news for us tonight. If you do, all you have to do is speak up. Okay, I don't hear anybody. Uh, the only good news I've got is I did a little bit of due diligence, which I tell people they should always do, and uh, I did a little looking in the uh, Eastern District of Texas today, looking to see who might be representing Experian in uh, the lawsuit that I have against them. And I didn't think it would be an attorney that I've dealt with before, and I'm right. It's uh, the attorneys that seem to handle things here are with Jones Day, which is a major national law firm. Uh, I still have not heard anything. Nobody's made an appearance. Nothing's been filed on the docket. So uh, it's just a hurry-up-and-wait situation for me. But uh, this Thursday will be two weeks since Experian was served. So they've got two weeks from Thursday to answer or contact me, arrange you know, a settlement or, you know, whatever they're going to do. I don't know. But we'll uh, we'll see. You know, generally. It's weird. You know, I I had sent mine via mail, like I have to, to the court. Mm-hmm. And it uh, got docketed on the 11th, oh. and a receipt was put in the mail to me on the 11th. Just a receipt. <laughs> Yeah, money order is a receipt, you know, but um, so it didn't get docketed for a week. Yeah, it took a week from the date that you mailed it before it got docketed. Right, and then of course nothing else because uh, then that hit the weekend, and then today, of course, is a a postal holiday. Mm Hmm. (laughs) Yep, we'll just have to. uh see how things progress, but I, I hope people are out there, you know, moving forward with what we're doing. I'll keep everybody apprised on the activities I have with my case. I think well, that's I, I was probably the case. Not hearing anything because I was so sick, I thought I do not want to talk to an attorney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I well, you'd be, well, you'd be in a really good frame of mind. Yes, yeah, pay me or I'm going to rip your head off. Exactly. <laughs> Don't mess with this girl today. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. All right. Well, um, John won't say it, but his good news is that he's made it back in one piece, unfrozen from his vacation, his skiing vacation up in Vermont. He did have a good time, but um, he ended up being a day late coming home. So uh, he is with us tonight. and He's uh, happy to be down in warm country again. But he did enjoy himself. He was uh, uh, prepared for where he went. In negative 20. (laughs) Yeah, minus 20 degrees. Oh, boy. Oh, well. All right. Well, I tell you what, everybody. We don't have anybody else with any good news. And, of course, good news uh, can be brought up at any time. Uh, We always want to hear good news. But uh, as has been a little bit customary uh, the last 
several weeks, I have found something interesting that uh, I thought would be of interest and uh, educational to uh, people on the call. And lo and behold, I found something else this week as well. And uh, as I've done before, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read this. And uh, I, I found it kind of interesting. Uh, the origin of the separation of church and state. Uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Americans can be justifiably proud of their founding fathers' insistence on a separation of church and state. And yet, surprisingly, very few Americans seem to understand what their founding fathers meant by this concept. Conservative politicians take pride in saying that the U.S. is primarily a Christian nation and that their Christian forefathers fought King George in order to have the freedom to practice Christianity as they saw fit. Now, we've got a whole bunch of clickety-clicking and making noise and all that. I just wonder who's doing that, Terry. That appears No, I'm muted again. Well, uh, there was noise coming from your phone. That's all I can say. The only way that can be is if someone else in another part of the house is picking uh, up the phone. That might be, but it was coming from your line anyway. Uh, I'll go back and start here again. Conservative politicians take pride in saying that the U.S. is primarily a Christian nation and that their Christian forefathers fought King George in order to have the freedom to practice Christianity as they saw fit. Liberal politicians tend to take an opposing view, I'm so surprised, that separation of church and state means that the concept of God has no place in government. In fact, some go so far as to say that landmarks, such as a plaque stating that George Washington attended a specific church, should be removed as it compromises the separation of church and state. Unfortunately, both these groups have got it wrong. A lot of noise there again. So let's take a step back and have a look at what caused Thomas Jefferson to repeatedly insist that the separation be implemented in the U.S. Constitution. Mr. Jefferson attended the College of William and Mary where he received the university customary education, but went on to study law privately under George Wythe in Williamsburg, Virginia. Mr. Wythe was not only his teacher, but his mentor, a man in his latter years, who not only imparted knowledge to the young Jefferson, but wisdom. He frequently, he frequented the Raleigh Tavern with his pupil, but additionally brought him to banquets at the mansion of Governor Fauquier in an effort to expand his outlook. I believe that it's safe to say that when Mr. Jefferson completed his education at age 34, he had both the energy and imagination of youth and the wisdom of the elders at his command. 
The former gave him his drive, and the latter provided him with the farsightedness that guided the writing of the American Constitution and the future direction of the new nation. George Weiss lived conveniently next door to the governor. His home is still there today, as is his small study where he taught the future president. On the other side of his home was Bruton Parish Church. In the 18th century, one could not be elected to office unless he was a member of the Church of England. As Attorney General, Mr. Weiss tolerated this, but taught his pupil that, as a free man, he should not be required to be an Anglican. To add insult to injury, Mr. Jefferson was not a Christian, but a deist, as were several others of the Founding Fathers. He did believe in his own form of a god, and even referred to him in the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence, but did not ascribe to him the power of miracles and omnipotence as described in the Bible. In addition, he regarded Jesus as an admirable human being, but did not regard him as anything more. In later years, noise just really irritates me. Somebody's come on and we're getting an echo because they're not muted. In spite of his beliefs, Mr. Jefferson was required to be a paid-up member of the Anglican Church in order to sit in the House of Burgesses, and he chafed at this requirement. However, he was a deep believer in the concept of God as a being with both consciousness and conscience, who he believed took no direct part in the affairs of man, but did create all men as equals and therefore entitled them to certain unalienable rights. But he saw the church differently. He regarded it as a political organization controlled by the king, intended to dictate morals and acceptable behavior. Mr. Jefferson was entirely comfortable with the concept of a moral God as a principle upon which to base a government. However, he distrusted the inclusion of the church. Comedian George Carlin once said, I'm completely in favor of the separation of church and state. My idea is that these two institutions screw us up enough on their own, so both of them together is certain death. Had Mr. Jefferson been in the audience, I believe he would have nodded his approval. Today, politicians tend to treat God and church as being one and the same. 
and the perception of America's founding fathers, they were entirely different entities. One was a creator. The other was a controller and, at times, a usurper. Not coincidentally, it was the latter description that they ascribed to governments. The Constitution was written not only to outline what their new government should be, but in what ways it should be limited to keep it from being a controller and a usurper. In past history, much good has been done in the name of the church. But indeed, whenever it has become a political power center, it has abused this position. This is evidenced by the Crusades, the Medicis, the Spanish Inquisition, and more. Today, we see the same problem manifesting itself, particularly with the destruction of Europe by religious zealots. Individual spirituality lies at the very core of what makes a person moral. However, a strong personal moral fiber and an adherence to a religious organization which dictates blind obeisance to itself are in fact polar opposites. The former offers a moral compass to the individual. The latter, especially when connected to a government, trounces mankind's natural morality and increases the potential for oppression by that government. As in so many other things, America's founding fathers had the right idea with the separation of church and state. The phrase still exists today, but its original intent has been largely lost. Should its true meaning be revived, we can be fairly certain that it won't be done by the political class. Hear ye, hear ye. I, uh, I found that quite thoughtful, and I thought you might as well. Okay, one more time I'm going to go back and see if anybody has any good news for us. And if not, then we will go to Q&A. So if anybody has got any good news, all you got to do is speak up. Hi, Dave. This is Mike Conklin. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Good. Hey, I uh, just wanted to I don't know whether it's good news, but I finally heard from a collection agency again from last May. They sent out a bill. They sent out another bill in January from from last May after I'd already sent them their correspondence. And uh, they want me to make all these option payments, but the problem is I don't have a signed contract with them. Uh, it's the, Of course, it's under the name of the LLC, but so I would respond under the name of the LLC, but uh, I understand that. But uh, like I say, I don't have a signed contract with them. They're not a holder in due course. 
Well, we're, we're, we're not. We're, yeah, we don't want to get into the holder in due course and all that stuff. It, did they validate the debt? Mm, they sent copies of where that the uh, trucks were bought, but the uh, they never sent me any copies for that they have a contract with me. They just used the old old creditor people, and they bought the account. Well, but validating a debt requires that they provide evidence, original account documentation of the debt, the alleged debt, right. and how every amount that they're saying is due was computed, how, how that amount was arrived at. And if they don't do that, they haven't validated the debt. Okay. Sure. Now, did it, if they didn't do that and they continued to collect, then they violated the FDCPA. Now, is this for you or is this for a company? It seems to me I, I yeah, remember it, back it, this was it, some it, business. It okay. Okay. Right, but the problem you have with that is a company is not covered by the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Consumers are covered by the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Okay. All right. So... The You know, where... I mean, they... They sent you more demands for payment. Well, okay. Yeah, they just sent me all these options, and they recognize that a possible hardship or pitfall, and blah, 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 blah. Then mm-hmm. they give you several options. And, and of course, this is addressed to a a, a company? A, an LLC, correct? Yeah, an LLC. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you're not an LLC, so... No. Uh, and if I remember correctly, you said the LLC is basically defunct. There's no assets. Is that correct? It is. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like it's a turnip to me. And you've heard the old saying, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Mm-hmm. Right. Just write them back and tell uh, What would you do with the bill? Just ignore it, or would you just write them back and tell me? Uh, I, I I I think what I would do is uh, write a letter back, okay, stating uh, is the LLC still a legal entity? Nope, it's gone. Okay. Uh, I think I would write a letter back uh, and state that the LLC. Uh, the business to whom you are sending correspondence no longer exists. Right. Please cease and desist from any further correspondence to this uh, to this address. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And the company and the LLC has no assets. Would you include that in there or not? No, I would. Does it, it no longer exist? If okay. it doesn't exist, how can it have ac- assets? Right, right, right. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't go in into that. I wouldn't put my name on it. No, 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 absolutely not. And, and you and you don't send it from the LLC. You just send a letter. Sorry. Oh. Okay. 
that's what I would do if I were in your position. I'd just tell them, uh, just state, you know, the uh, uh, the uh, company to which you are sending correspondence no longer exists. Okay. Please refrain from sending any further correspondence to this address. Okay. Thank you. No signature, no name, no nothing. Okay. That's putting them on notice right there. Mm-hmm. But it's gone. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just they're just wanting money and everything. So, well, well, so, another, yeah. so in other so in other words, the um, uh, for companies or LLCs, the Fair Debt Collection Act does not apply only to individuals. It, it, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act covers consumers, individuals, okay. real real persons. That does not apply to businesses or any fictional entity. Right. Okay. So you don't have you don't have any legal recourse to go and and sue them for attempting to collect anymore uh, mm-hmm. because it's you know uh, there's no legal basis for it. Right. And, right. and for the for the LLC to do that, the LLC even if it existed. Uh, would have to hire a lawyer to do that anyway, because mm-hmm. a fictional entity has to be represented by an attorney. It cannot be represented by a uh, uh, one of the uh, people of the, an officer of the company. With very few exceptions, there are a few exceptions, but very very few. But you know, in your situation, the company doesn't exist, so they're sending mail to. Uh, uh, something that doesn't exist. So, right, right, right. If it's oh. been dissolved, it's been dissolved. Exactly. You can print it out off the Secretary of State's webpage and mail it back with the thing. <laughs> you could if you want to. I wouldn't even bother with that. I wouldn't waste the time. Yeah. I don't know if somebody else has picked up that name and got another LLC in that name or not. But you know, it isn't it isn't the business that we uh, that was conducted then. So yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, Dave, and thank you very much. All righty, you're very welcome. I'm going to mute again. All righty, thank you. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I see another hand up here, and for anybody that's got questions or wants to make a comment tonight or whatever, um, you know, the way you do this is to hit star eight that puts you in the queue please have yourself muted using star six before you hit star eight though if you would and we're going to go way up to the northeastern part of the united states to the north shore of massachusetts hi evening, dave <laughs> how are you today can you hear me? No, we can't hear you. Good, good. Uh, I wanted to refresh a little bit the story, and I needed a little bit of uh, input on my uh, issues. Uh, so it was the uh, Schlien Stillman who sued my wife, yep. and uh, I was banned to not speak on court from the uh, the judge. We had a couple of depositions that nobody showed up, and then we went to the pretrial hearing, 
and um, the judge gave the 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 plaintiff, the Shlian Stillman LLC, one more time to have a chance for depositions. Right. And the the trial date for the end of February, so uh, the last day of February of uh, this year. Right. And you were right. going to be doing depositions here in the last few days, right? Yes. So or a deposition, have, anyway. We had the depositions today, and. Uh, before the deposition, I wanted to remind you that the attorney for Schley and Stillman uh, asked us to reach a settlement where we um, both sides uh, uh, remove the case, uh, dismiss the cases with prejudice. Right. My case is federal court, and his case is my state court. Right. And without paying any money for free, right. to do it right. for free. So uh, kind of uh, then when. We, my wife, did not uh, agree on that. Uh, Lassie's proposal was that at least uh, he can sue, he can dismiss his case, state case, and uh, uh, for uh, for my wife to ask for damages in federal case. But he wanted to release all the Bank of America agents and employees of Bank of America from this case. So he was in in need to have that. That you know, that closure, disclosure in the settlement to uh, to release the agents and employees of Bank of America, uh, and us to look for damages in uh, federal court. So we had the um, depositions today, which was the custodian of record was a lady called Pamela, or Pamela. I don't know how to pronounce. Uh, this was in Wilmington, Delaware. And we came back around four, uh, four o'clock in the afternoon of, uh, from the depositions. Uh, the lady uh, had a uh, a guy, uh, a lawyer from uh, Schley and Stillman, helping her. So he was the guy who would say objection for uh, you know things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in during the uh, during the depositions, from the beginning, the lady. Uh, did I ident- uh, you know identify herself for Pamela blah blah, and when we asked for any ID, she had hanged on her on her neck. You know that tag that when you go to a uh, festival, and you are the speaker, you have this you know plastic thing. You know, some kind your... of I- you know identification, yeah. Uh, it's ID not really. Uh, yeah, I can produce that. You know, you can buy one thing that hang- you can hang on on, on the neck. Right. And it said like this is my ID. Uh, my wife insisted to to you know to give a uh, another ID. You know that's just a you know it looks point. old. Yeah. Everybody can have that. So show some other ID. She said no, I'm not going to show any. She had even though the depositions was dusustecum, she had nothing with her. Just her uh, you know women's bag. You know the. You know the bag for women. When you go shopping, you have a yeah, just like that. You so, got uh, it. When we asked her for um, you know to prove that she works for Bank of America, she said, "I have nothing to, to show you." Well, oh. do you work for Bank of America? She said, "Yes, but show us something. Only this that I have on the neck." So the the only thing she had with her was only that thing that was hanging on her neck. You know that. I don't know what that is called, really, in English. It's called nothing. 
It's called nothing. That is is. not an official ID. That is worth nothing. She was a fake person that was there, and she wouldn't give a driver's license because then you'd turn around and sue her. She was there. Listen. Listen to me. She was there in an effort for collection. Yes. And you could sue her. She didn't identify herself because she was smart enough to know that. Do you understand? Even even if it was in the the federal case, she's there on behalf of whoever is trying to collect from your wife. And her job is to say, yes, it was a valid debt. That is an indirect communication in connection with the collection of an alleged debt. That makes her a debt collector. And if she didn't identify herself as uh, able and authorized to speak to certain issues in the subpoena deuces tecum, A, she's in violation of the subpoena there, and by not bringing anything uh, she was told to bring, she's in violation of the subpoena there. And they owe you money, and they need to pay for the deposition. All of it. And you can go for sanctions now. Yeah. You can go for sanctions. She refused to prove who she was yes, with she a credible ID. Listen, Ilian. She refused to prove who she was, she said. She refused to prove that she works for who she says she works for, and she refused to... Uh, uh, to give us any information of her office uh, phone number, and she refused to give us any information what position she worked and since oh, when. She can't refuse those questions. She can't She's refuse in- any of that. So let's go no. back a second. The reason mm-hmm. the lawyer wanted you to dismiss the bank, because she was supposed to be a custodian of records for the bank, right? Yes, they just perpetrated a fraud under oath, except you don't know who perpetrated the fraud. That's true. I don't know. This is the reason why when you do a subpoena ducis tecum video, you get them on video and you can turn it over to the police department. <clears throat> now, you could make a complaint with the police department there, and perhaps the, the company that she came into had video cameras. And they can get the video of that. But they just perpetrated a fraud. Okay? And I wouldn't hesitate to tell the lawyer that, you know, your witness failed to identify themselves, failed to produce any ID. And so not only is their testimony Failed to comply with the subpoena. You you failed to comply with the subpoena. Okay? I think you're perpetrating a fraud on the court. Okay, you're employing the court in the perpetration of a fraud, and I don't think the court's going to look lightly at that. So what I'm going to do, my next step is to file a complaint with the police department where they get a picture of the woman and Mm -hmm. track her down. And the guy's going to shit bricks. Okay. Yeah. Um, Billier, hang on, hang on a second, guys. Hang on a second. I want, I want to, 
I want to clarify something. Mm-hmm. Did you have her spell her name first and last? Yes. Would you? I would have you okay. She stated her name first and yes. last and spelled it. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Go ahead. So, go, go ahead, John. So, okay. So the reason he wanted you to dismiss the bank and its employees and everyone, well, in the first place, then she could go, you know, they could go, well, she was an employee of the bank and you already released her. You can't sue her. Okay. When you bring up criminal charges for lying under oath, false, mm-hmm. you know, falsifying an identity, all that stuff. And to get the bank off his back, because as Terry knows, when when these debts are sold, typically the bank has yes. something in there that says, you know, you can't get any additional information, you can't do this, that, or the other. So really, mm-hmm. he couldn't produce a witness because he's not allowed to go back to them to get validation or anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're trying to game you, but they're just digging a much deeper hole. Right, it's because they are subject to an as-is, no recourse or warranty contract. And the, yes. the the banks are very clear about that. This is what you get. This is what you're buying. And there ain't anything else. And you don't come back to us. And you don't try to get us to do anything for you. Because yes. that's the contract. And they know it. Yeah. Now, let me let me say something here. Let me say something here. I, I, I want to make sure uh, that this is brought out. I do not believe that it has been established that they are a debt buyer as opposed to a contingency collection law firm. And that's got to be established. That's, let me explain a bit on this okay. issue. Okay. If you Good. remember, a few months ago, uh, my wife placed a call on Bank of America to see if the debt exists. And the Bank of America lady transferred my wife without saying anything directly to Track America. And I raised this issue. John remembers the Track America was. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Now, today, one of the questions was my wife asked her, what is the role of, of Track America on this case? She said, I don't know, nothing. We opened the interrogatories where I, the the lawyer for Schlee answered that uh, Track America is the servicer in the middle between Bank of America and Schlee and Stillman LLC. So now Track America is supposed to be the debt buyer, according to my view. Or no, that's like an that. assumption. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You haven't established that as evidence. They were in the list that I put out. Once again, Terry? Did you look to see if they are listed in that lengthy list of debt buyers I shared out? No, they're not listed. They were not. Well, then that means they're not registered with the Debt Buyers Association, which is pretty massive. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't be a buyer, but it's less likely. It could be that they are, in fact, a servicer. But this individual that was the corporate representative is supposed to have knowledge of all of these facts, and she said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You know, that is the classic example 
of where you go after them and make them pay for the deposition because mm-hmm. the representative that showed up did not comply with the subpoena and was not able to answer the questions. Now, here's one more thing that I wanted to uh, get from you guys. If you remember, I have, uh, we, uh, my wife has sued uh, uh, Schley and Stillman and two lawyers who uh, signed papers in federal court under FDCPA but we did not include Bank of America. Is it smart to amend the, uh, no. the lawsuit no. and put Bank of America on They're original creditor. They're not subject to the FDCPA in these circumstances. But and they haven't they, done yeah. Yeah. They haven't done Go anything, ahead, and what you're going to do is you're going to set yourself up for failure because when the judge sees that and they plead that they're an original creditor, then they're just going to dismiss the suit and they're going to dismiss the bar against Lee and Stillman. You've you got to pick your battles. The judge and then they're going to say frivolous and bad faith. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't even go there with Bank of America. You're after the lawyers. They're the ones that have been trying to collect. You're, you're on point on that. Don't vary from what you're doing. But the thing is, how is the Bank of America going to uh, learn that Schley and Stillman is using their name in the lawsuit? They don't care. It happens all the time. And, yeah. and what happens is just because someone's doing it doesn't really matter. They have written contracts that protect them. So in the event that it came about that they get sued, you know, if they get tied into some big embroilment, then Schley and Stillman is going to be responsible for paying Bank of America. But you don't need to make that big big enough stink. That's when like a state attorney general or someone gets involved. The bank has protected itself when it went to sell this stuff. And I just want to point out again, it doesn't matter if they're a debt buyer or a contingency collector. My feeling is they're a contingency collector working for some third-party debt buyer. Okay, but the fact of if you go into the discovery that I do when you're being sued, the fact that they're a contingency collector makes them an undisclosed real party in interest in the state suit. And that in itself is a fraud on the court. I mean, they're they're in so deep, but I mean, that's not going to make you any money, but you can use that if you need to. That's why he's trying to get rid of the state suit, is because you can gain information out of the state suit that is going to make it, you know, summary judgment ability for you in federal court. Right, but it looks like I cannot use what I discovered on state case to use them in federal case, can I? Well, here's what you do. If you discovered mm-hmm. it in state court in, in Florida, discovery has to be filed with the court. So when you answer discovery, you have to file that with the court. Then it's on the record, and you can request judicial notice in the uh, federal case. You get a certified copy from the state court's clerk, print it out with the notary stamp on that and you file that in and you request the federal court to take judicial notice. That's how you get around that. If your state doesn't require you to have it filed in, you have to file a, you have to find a way to file it in. Okay. Oh file it okay. in. Okay. Yeah. 
and get it on the record. Request so a, as far a, as the, five, as far five. as this goes with your deposition, okay? Mm -hmm. What it would be is when you when you go to make your motion mm -hmm. for the sanctions and all the other stuff because they just wasted your time. That's when you file the deposition in with that. That's your evidence, your exhibit yeah. that goes with it because it's certified by the court reporter who did the deposition. Now, at the end of that deposition, did the deponent request a copy of the deposition to make corrections? He, he, he didn't say it really there, she, but he took card. And he said, I'm probably going to order it by e email. He said, I'm going to ask you no, no, to no. do it. It's not ordering it. I'm telling you. Did, you know, when you're being deposed yes. at the end of the deposition, you can request a copy of it so you can review it to make any corrections that are necessary. That's different than him buying a copy. Oh, no. Uh, he did not request one, no. But I thought he it did? was a lady that was being deposed. He, so he requested, uh, yeah, he requested one. The, for correction purposes? I don't think for correction purposes. He didn't I don't know if they have to state it for that purpose, do they, John? According to the rules, they're supposed to, yes. yes. they do. They have to state their okay. right of 30-day review. Okay. Right. And if they don't, that's the end of it. Right. So... Uh, is it possible I can use the deposition on uh, federal court? What you do is you file it into the state court with your motion for sanctions and all the other stuff, stating the you know how they abused you. She couldn't stay who she was. You also want to make it so they none of the ev you can't use any of the evidence, and you want them to pay the fees. And if you want, you can ask the court for more time to do another, you know, and to order them to produce the witness because they failed to produce a witness that could, you know, she could, you can't authenticate anything because you can't authenticate who she was. Exactly. She failed to produce an ID and anyone, you, you know, your honor, you've been a judge for a long time. I'm only a pro se, but if, if someone Fail, if someone is professionally being a custodian of records, shouldn't they know to bring ID to authenticate who they are with their position? A legitimate, you know, state, you know, government-approved identification. You couldn't get on an airplane. You couldn't get on an airplane with a with that company ID that you could make at Kinkos, could you? Oh, okay. You cannot a taxi with that. Right. Your so how can how can she enter in this court as a witness with that? These are that's how you make an argument. Good. If yeah. you can't if you can't get on a federal airplane that's federally regulated, how can you come into the court as a witness that's federally regulated? Good. And then there's the uh, the question among other things I'm sure she couldn't answer about the servicer. You asked her she she should have been aware and knowledgeable of who that entity is and when she said she didn't know who they were or what they did you know it's her job as the representative of the company to have that information it's a requirement 
they and if did he not doesn't have it, then and, and they, they didn't send a proper representative. Right. They did not right. produce a witness capable of testifying. Right. That, now, um, also, we, also, yes. listen, in the, in the place where she was, you need to check the jurisdictional stuff and the way it works. But more than likely... If court reporters are like they are here, where they are, they're appointed by the chief judge of the circuit court, which is the county court, the officers who are, are the bailiffs in the court are sheriffs. I don't know if in that state if they have sheriffs or not. Here we have a county sheriff, and a sheriff is a bailiff in the court. So when you make the complaint, you don't make it to the police department, you make it to the the law enforcement department that has jurisdiction in the courtrooms, which where I am would be a sheriff. And that's where you want to make the complaint that, you know, this happened and this person, you know, appeared to be a witness, but they weren't. And you start doing that and you get a All you need is the case number and you can file that. You can file that case number into the court too. Yep. And then that makes a track. You're laying mm -hmm. down the track that th this happened here and you're filing in your state case and then it's on the record in the state case and you can print it out with a certified copy and file that into the federal case. And the judge is going to look at this and go, wait a second, you know, in the federal court. It's, it's an unfair and deceptive tactic. You're, the lawyer attempted to employ the court in the perpetration of a fraud. You know, you're, you're not alleging a fraud. You're saying that the lawyer attempted to, because you figured it out, attempted to employ the court, employ that county court in the perpetration of a fraud by producing a, you know, a false witness. And it was quite obvious that the witness knew that they were what they were doing when they failed to identify themselves. Any real witness would know that they need to bring identification when they go to a deposition and they're representing a bank. No, she didn't say I don't have it. She said I'm not going to show you any. She just well, that, right, that right there, it does it right there. She refused yeah, to right identify herself. Makes, that, that right there makes it useless. You know, makes the discovery useless. You can invalidate anything she had to say, but it also shows because you couldn't. You know, you, you know, I can ask you. You know, like we've discussed before. You know, how many times a week do you look at child pornography? You know, have you ever you know exposed yourself in public? Do you habitually smoke uh, methamphetamine? You know, um, how many? How many drinks of alcohol do you have an hour? You know, all these questions are to go to the character of the witness. You couldn't even establish who the hell the witness was. Well, I, whether I she couldn't. was employed or whether she was some, you know, stooge off the street that they gave 20 bucks to do this. Well, that's exactly. In, in, in the first five minutes, my wife and I were talking just to close the, the, to close the depositions. You know, that's it. It's worthless. Any, anything after this is worthless. But we said, you know, we are here. So we settled in the beginning that she doesn't want to identify herself. And we continued for like 45 minutes. 
which was really unnecessary. Well, that would be like me walking in and sitting down for you to depose me. Yeah. And they say, okay, would you uh, please state your name and spell it? Tim Johnson, T-I-M-J-O-H-N-S-O-N. Well, do you have a ID uh, to to verify that? I'm not going to show you an ID. Well, what? Well, you said your name is Tim Johnson. Yes, and I spelled my name T I M J O H N S O N. Now, do I have any credibility? Zero. Thank you. That's exactly what she did to you. Well. We pretty much know. I think it was a worthless deposition, but we we drove six hours, Dave, so... Uh. I, and you know what? When you go after them for the sanctions, you go after them for all the mileage that you drove. Yeah. At the government rate of, what is it, 53 cents a mile or whatever the government is, you, you go after the mileage that you drove and any expenses you incurred. Exactly, for all of them. Yep. The day off, lost the day of work. All right, guys, um, I think um, this is pretty good for uh, what I got from you today. And uh, I'm going to keep you, uh, you know, up to date in the next good. shows. Good. So, thank you, so Ilier. Thank you, Dave. If, if yes. you, can look it up, you can look it up online, but just for the fun of it, you should have your wife write up a letter that says, I was wondering if I owe you any money, please advise, signed, and mail it to LVNV Funding, because I've seen that LVNV has assigned a bunch of stuff to Schley and Stillman. Really? Yes. LVNV Funding. Yep. And and the other thing, the other thing is that... Um, They've been sued several times for um, effectively not con- failing to convey the name of the creditor to whom the debt is owed. Huh. And they've lost on summary judgment, Schley and Stillman, in federal court. Wow. Sounds like you might have a little more fun with them, Elir. If if yeah, you look up a case that if you look up a case that's called Neff N E F F versus Schley and Stillman, and it's case number sixteen C V one zero five five five, you'll see the summary judgment order on that. Yeah, the right on top under the justice. Justicia Law. Yeah. I'll read it, John. Thank you very much. Great, dude. Go get him. Keep up the good fight. Yep, absolutely. Go get him. I'm feeling better. (laughs) Don't let that lawyer off on anything. Let him know that you're going to have a – let your wife let him know that you're making a complaint with the sheriff's department. Find out who the appropriate authority is and let him know that you're going to do that because they sent in a false witness and that, you know, you're going to have it all reported to the um, Bar Association. Good. <laughs> I'll do that, too. That was easy to, to file a, a complaint with Bar Association. 
I went through that just to check, and you could do it online. Yeah, yeah but you, listen, listen, you make the complaint with the sheriff or the police department, whoever the appropriate authority is there, and have them open up an investigation. And then just all you have to do is tell him that you've done that and that you're going to have the results sent to the, you know, the court and the bar association. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. All right. You're very welcome. Mm -hmm. All right. We are going to go to guest five, but I have to mute you and unmute you, which I just did. You're up for your question. Hello? Hello? Hi. I wasn't sure if it was me. I listened to the call. I was a member for five years, and I listened to the calls, but I seldom um, speak. So I have um, a lot of drama in my life, including being nearly homeless, and now I have to move again, and also going for surgery at the end of the month for my bad hip, which is, I can't even walk. So I just want you to know that before because I I need to I should have probably gotten a lecture for not handling some things but um, at any rate um, and I'm a very senior citizen too but so at any rate um, um, I just want to see what what this is I've I've studied it I've read it um, and and when I first got it which was I first received this uh, I received this letter at in the um, I think it was like December 18, although there was no, I had to make a note of it, there was no date on the letter. So here's what it says. The first part of it was, um, was just um, um, a notification of the change in name of the law firm, uh, which at the end there's an interesting twist to this, which was, Change from subtle hammer and white to uh, subtle and hammer. So that that was the first thing signed by somebody from their office. And then the second thing, and this was all in one stack of papers, was a declaration of mailing, which was signed that they mailed this to me on the twelfth day of Bellevue, was when it was or twelfth day of. Um, of December, which uh, and actually I am in the in, in the Seattle area. So um, then the next paper talks is the motion for dismissal pursuant to CRLJ 41, and it just said that um, the order for dismissal without prejudice and without cost and fees. And this is um, the plaintiff is the department stores of. National Bank, which I Department Stores National Bank, which I think was Macy's, and this was like eight or nine years ago, and I'm the defendant. Okay, so um, so this is a motion for dismissal, and um, then the next one says a um, looking for this. Okay, order of dismissal pursuant to uh, CRLJ, and then, um, and I forget where it said it, but it, yeah, it did say without, with 
prejudice, which means, you know, when I first read this, I looked it all up, trying to figure out what the order of dismissal, you know, was. And um, when it said with um, with prejudice that they couldn't do it again, then, you know, I, I kind of, like, didn't, I thought, well, okay, it's been dismissed. Okay, now here's the mystery. I have no knowledge of this lawsuit at all. Okay, well, there's a probably a good chance that at some point in time in the past they filed that lawsuit and it never got served. Now you said that you've relocated some. You you, you know, I've just been moving around the area, but I've kept the same mailing address for the last five years. Um. Yeah, but th- before that, they might have had trouble catching yeah. up with me. Okay. I, I've only had two different addresses, but you know how it goes. Okay. Well, yeah. but they, my guess is they probably filed a suit at some point in the past. Now, you said this is, what, from nine years ago or something? Yeah, so I can figure okay. out the department. Okay. All right. First, well, yeah. let's. They they filed this, and... You didn't know about it, so you obviously weren't served. You were never served. Correct. And this could be housekeeping on the part of the the court. Maybe the court's going through the records and looking at old cases that were uh, never moved forward, and they went back to them and said, uh, you need to do something with this uh, uh, for LOP, lack of prosecution, and this needs to be dismissed now without prejudice let's let's discuss the ramifications of that given what we know about this without prejudice means that uh that it could possibly be filed again yeah, right yeah okay. but this was with prejudice I, it, I okay that was done with prejudice then right yeah yeah okay well then that means that they cannot file another lawsuit against you, which means that this something that you didn't even know about is gone and it can't ever come back. Correct. I, I did do the homework. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and and I, Because I saw it was with prejudice, and I thought, yeah, here it is. I read it, but I it didn't. I yeah. Forgot. Yeah, dismissal. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you had said without prejudice. I did, and then somewhere else I read it was with. Oh, dismissal without prejudice or cause. Okay, dismissal. all right. So let's let's go back to that. Let's let's discuss that for a minute. This was nine years ago. E- evidently, this was from something that maybe you possibly had many years ago. Yeah, I'm almost positive it was a Macy's card. But this would have been a long time ago. Oh yeah, like 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 I'm saying nine, yeah. um, at okay. least seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, here's the deal. They dismiss it without prejudice, and there's probably a real good reason why they dismissed it without prejudice, so that you couldn't come back and sue them for filing a lawsuit against you. Yeah. Right. That's what <laughs> Now, here's the thing, though. If it's nine years ago, unless you have an incredibly long statute of limitations in Washington State, no. 
It's mm-hmm. past the statute of limitations, so they couldn't file anything against you if they wanted to again anyway. Yeah. So it appears to me like it's cleaning up court records. I think so, too, because um, whatever the one thing I read about the judge, um, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what I, when I read it, that was my best guess. Cleaning and, up uh, court and covering butt. Yeah. Yeah. And see, they're going to do it without prejudice, so that, that knowing that they can't file against you anyway, but that will preclude would preclude you from the possibility of filing a suit against them uh, for taking a legal action they weren't entitled to take. Well, see, that's so, what I was. So yeah. the the end okay. result is okay. Thank you. Goodbye. End of story. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, this, it is obviously they're debt collectors. They're they're notorious this firm around here for getting um, judgments against people and and serving them, not really serving them, but putting it in the newspaper. Sewer service. That, yeah, sewer service. Right, that nobody reads and um, that yeah. kind of thing. And I, but as I say, I haven't, and it doesn't give a date of when it was filed. I suppose. But so well, I, I the, think what yeah, that that I think is uh, with it being the age that it is, they're you're in good shape there. With they're not going to be coming back after you. What's the name of the company or the oh, law firm? Um, um, they, well, they've changed now to uh, Subtle and Hammer, and okay. they used to have a name on there. And Subtle and Hammer and White or something. I think you yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah, and I know someone that got. Got caught in their in their crosshairs, and um, they did a sewer service, as you say. But he right. ended up winning against them. So, um, okay. and I was just gonna. I thought, just well, as soon as I get done with, you know, when I get done with the drama in my life, here very soon, hopefully, I can, um, you know, get everything together, start doing, because I've been following what you guys are up to, but I just haven't been able to. I. Um, pursue. So um, when I got this, I thought I better check out and make sure that I'm yeah. reading this correctly, that it is a dismissal. And yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I think you're in good shape from everything you've told us. Okay. And um, it's so, unless I discover at some point that this is not, that there's something on my credit. Because now I have re, in the meantime, reestablished my credit. It's It's getting higher and higher all the time. Mm-hmm. And um and so, um you know so I I wanted to make those you know planning to join again and 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 do all that so so anyway for now I can um rest for the <laughs> sleep a night for the next um till I get done with the next phase here in my life. Well, good, and I hope that phase passes quickly and uh, moves along very well for you. You know, I I must be really strong because I have been through so much. I mean, at my age, to be you know practically homeless and stuff. If it weren't for friends, I would, you know, I just things have come up unexpectedly. And in fact, the last house I was living in, I was a member of What Lies in Your Debt and listening all the time because the house I was living in was being foreclosed on. And uh-huh. he, um, and so I joined, you know, hoping that he would um, use it. But you know, basically, he got caught in some other, you know, the Patriot things and so forth. So, oh, boy. Um, 
But in the end, he um, actually ended because of Seattle being such a hot real estate market. He managed to. Um, well, this was actually in Bellevue. He he sold his house and walked away with a little bit of money anyway. So, well, that's good. That's better than having yeah. a foreclosed on losing the equity that you had. Yeah. Well, he. He, I don't know that he even had any. <laughs> it's a long story. Well, anyway. if he walked away with money, there was, somehow there was some equity there. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because he. Um. Yeah. Because of the housing market, just. Yeah. Yeah. Being so amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it, and you'll probably hear from me more in the future. <laughs> okay. Well, we're here every week. I know you are, and I appreciate you guys and all the help that you give. It's so neat just to be able to call now I can rest. (laughs) Oh, good. You'll sleep well tonight. That's wonderful. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thank you. All right. Oh, man, that's, you know, there's so many stories out here. Man, I'm telling you. And, you know, some of them just not, not too great. But, hey. There's a survivor, everybody. Do what you got to do. All right, let's go to foreclose for me. You are unmuted. Hello, Dave. This is Maggie. Hi, Maggie. Um, hi. It's been a while since I've been on the call. Yeah, I and, haven't heard your voice uh, lately. No, huh? <laughs> but I have a friend that wanted to get on and listen in on the calls. She can't seem to get in. The uh, PIN number that she puts in is it, not accepting it. So I just okay, what the problem is on. there with TalkShoe, very often after you put in 54318 and you hit pound, it'll ask again and it wants you to put in one pound. After you do the 54318 pound, then when it asks again, hit the number one and pound. I have no idea why it does that, but it does that to me too, and it's the only way I can get in. Huh. Okay. I didn't know if you guys had made any kind of changes, you know, since nope. it's been a while. No, it's always been that way for me. So at the opposite And I've never me, had that happen. Yeah, it's well they mm-hmm. just just for me, but now apparently for her too. I guess so, because she was texting me. She says, I've tried it about 20 times now. Yeah, tell and, her to hit. Um, it just hit 54318 and pound, and then it'll say, please enter your pin and hit one pound. Huh. Okay. So you have that Yeah. I had it um, last week. I had it say something to me that about that's not the, uh, the right one or something. And I thought, well, I even looked at my phone. I thought, well, this too. So I just hung up, <laughs> called your number back again, and did, just did the whole thing over again. And then it went through. And that's the oh. only trouble I've ever had. So, oh. but, um, but I'll let her know that, and okay. maybe she can get in that way. Yeah. Okay. That's all the questions I had for tonight, though. All righty. Well, thank you, dear. Appreciate um, you helping somebody. Lot. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, well, hey, never know. Automated systems. 
All right, we're going to go to Hawaii. I had to mute and unmute you. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, I don't really we got a whole bunch of noise there. Hello, Hawaii. Hello, Hawaii. All I'm hearing is noise. And now they've muted, so evidently... Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had to unmute myself twice. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm calling because I received a Dunning letter um, when I moved back to California from a utility company. Didn't realize I had an outstanding balance. Um, and I sent them a Are you sure letter. you do? Um, tr- that's true. I don't know. Ah, it, yes. They don't ne- assume things. Right. They've never validated the debt. Uh-huh. If somebody's oh. going to try and collect money, they should validate and be able to prove there's a debt, shouldn't they? Right. But the debt is, the last time I was in California was over 10 years ago. So what they did when I came back to California, they sent me a bill for, not a bill, but on the um, Dunning letter, it says a closing statement for when they changed my account number. What do you mean they changed your account number? So when I came back, they gave me my old account number and... When I called them and told them there there was a, a balance on there, she said, oh, that shouldn't be there, Ms. Waller. We'll remove it. I said, okay, fine. The next no, month, no, hang on one second. Who were you speaking with, the utility company or a debt collector? The utility company. Okay. So when I called them, they said, oh, well, we'll remove that and we'll give you a new account number. So they did that, and I held on the phone while they did that. It was a a long time. Right. So about, what, six months later, actually in November, October rather, I got this gunning letter for a closing bill account, which I, uh, statement, which I had never received before. So I'd done, I validated them. Never heard anything back. Was this from a a debt collector or from the utility company? From a debt collector. Okay. And then so, like I said, I sent them a, a validation letter. Right. And I sent that letter on November 3rd. And then on November 13th, I got a call from them. And I asked the lady, I said, I don't think you should be calling me. Didn't you get my letter? She said, what letter? I said, well, if you check your records, you should have a a letter from me. She said, well, I'll call you back. I said, okay, fine. Hung up. I haven't heard anything back since. Okay. Well, did you send your letter to them certified? I did. I have everything. They received it. Um, Did they receive it before they called you? 
Yes, they did. Did she attempt to collect the debt from you? Yes, she did. Okay, then she violated the FTCPA. Okay. It's very clear cut. You sent the demand for validation. They received it. They didn't validate. They called you and attempted to a collection after receipt of your demand for validation. That's a violation of uh, 1692GB. GB, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's $1,000, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, who's the who's the collection company? Is it a brand name? It is Collection Bureau of America. Okay. Yeah, there's and they're a full service uh debt collector. Yeah. Yeah. I if I were in your shoes I'd send them a notice of intent to sue. Okay. That'll go out this week. <laughs> I wish I was in your your spot. That's that's easy money right there. Yeah, no, you got me well, both you and Terry. And I want to thank, thank you for all of that. Uh, you're welcome. We're here to help every bit we can. I just uh, I, I'd love to have about half a dozen of those. <laughs> I could have so much fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All righty. You're very welcome. Oh man, I, I love that kind of stuff. That's those those are easy like that, man. That's that's great. You know, at least they were smart enough they didn't call back again. But uh, you know, all right. Who else has got a question for us tonight or a comment? Uh, I don't have any other people with their hands up tonight, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's really cold out or something. We've got a you know, fair number of people on the call. Just everybody. We've got so many people that have learned so much, and they're so knowledgeable about this stuff that we don't get as many questions as we used to get. You know, I mean, uh, wouldn't you agree with that, Terry and and John? Yes, it does seem to go in spurts, though. Yeah, well, you know, we we get some people that. Uh, you know, maybe you haven't been on for a while or something, but just like the the uh, the gal that was just on a, a few minutes ago, that uh, she uh, had been a member and stuff, and she remembered the stuff, and uh, she went and did a research when she got the letter, and so that she was understanding, you know, dismissed uh, without prejudice, so on and so forth, and putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So. Well, maybe know, that and, means, and it's just the, the lady we were just talking with. You know, she she understands things. She was just double checking. Maybe that means we're teaching it right in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Well. Which would be yeah. good. Yeah, that would be good. Well, you know, there's a uh, uh, another hand up on the board, and it's a, a familiar face. Somebody from. New Jersey. <laughs> That's me. How you guys doing? <laughs> doing well. How are you? I, I'm I'm just as batty as a fruitcake. And you would think I would know what the raise your hand number is for this call. <laughs> I'd never know it. <laughs> I'd just be hitting all kind of buttons. <laughs> well, just remember, just uh, you put yourself behind the eight ball. 
All right. Okay, that that was the first one that I hit, but I didn't hear her tell me uh, raise hand, so I thought it wasn't the right one. Yeah, well, just just remember, if you want to talk, you just got to be behind the eight ball. Okay. Star eight. That might that might work. I might be able to remember that. That, so that doesn't fall into the CRS category. Oh well, sometimes, but that might just do it for me. Oh, okay. Well, I'm trying to give you an alternative here, something you know. To, you know. Well, I couldn't let you out of here tonight early, especially with John just getting back and joining us. So I have a few questions for you guys. I have read so much; my mind is TMI. But I am getting together um, my opposition to a um, MSJ in my foreclosure. And for all those uninitiated, that's a motion for summary judgment, MSJ. And um, for one thing, they filed it before discovery ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... Okay, they left the the um the motion hearing on the fifteenth of December and filed this um MSJ on the eighteenth. So they knew that discovery had been extended. Right. So I'm just I still want to um say they don't have standing, but I feel like I'm gonna be shot down because the judge put in that order that they had standing. Well, was that argued in the court? You know, as Jeff used to say, I I think I got uh, vamboozled. Well, was it argued in court, though? Um, I told her I objected to her saying that. Okay. Well, it it, it was a determination made by the court. Right. Okay. Well, you objected to it. So the only other, the the only alternative you've got going forward would be uh, to make an appeal on that basis if you had an adverse ruling. Well, I understand that I can't do an appeal on the order. Right. So if I um, lose um, summary judgment, then I can appeal. That At that point, you can appeal and use that as a basis for appeal. Right. Okay. Because you, you made your objection. You made the record. Right. Okay, so they did the boilerplate um, summary judgment. A motion for summary judgment, yeah. and I need to break down. You know, for some reason, New Jersey isn't doing affidavits now. So this woman then put in a certification. Okay. So I know I've been through that affidavit stuff, but I just need you to. Give me some words that are triggered by memory. 
Well, what do you mean, in doing an affidavit or dissecting it or what? In in um, breaking hers up. You go to the two webinars I did on affidavits that are in the website. Very thorough, <clears throat> especially the first one. But go through both of them. Absolutely okay. go through both of those because uh, I, I give some case law on various things for arguments in there. I mentioned cases. But that would be fat, probably federal cases. I need state. No, you can still use those. Okay. Oh, okay. When it comes to affidavits. But your biggest uh, argument right now is, you know, uh, plaintiffs uh, were aware at the uh, hearing on December 15th that uh, discovery had been extended, yet in an affront to the court, three days later filed a motion for summary judgment, which is obviously untimely and improper. There's your words right there. Got it. uh, Untimely, premature, and improper. Yeah, they're being jerks. Mm-hmm. But that's nothing new. It's a lawyer. What do you expect? Right. Okay. So I was listening to a Lear talk earlier. And so you do have to subpoena someone that you want to do a deposition on. Absolutely. That's, that's how you uh, set your deposition. It doesn't have to be a deposition, deuces take them, but it, you still have to subpoena them for deposition. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I'm trying to find out if this other state has adopted, what is it, the UIPPA or something? I have no idea what that is. It's a universal... Um, um, discovery system for subpoena and discovery. We're supposed to make it easier for subpoenas to be issued for out of state. Well, that's under your New Jersey rules, right? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that I wouldn't be familiar with. I have no idea. Okay. Well, that's it for me. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Well, let's see here. We have somebody with a hand up down in North Georgia. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Uh, pretty good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Okay. Look, I was I was on the call uh last Monday, and I, I, I ran something by you. It was um, TCPA claim, 
it was a real ridiculous offer. You uh, gave up um, a little bit of advice on what you would do. Uh, if it was you, I, I, I took and I emailed that information over. So a quick recap on it. The three things that they were offering was that they would uh, waive the $360 and some change balance on the account. It was a vehicle that was traded in. Um, they would remove the listing and they would give me $500 cash on uh, 20, uh, 42 phone calls, okay? And so <laughs> I, I sent, you know, what you shared, okay, about an insult and ridiculous. So they replied back a couple of days later to let me know, I assure you that I'm not trying to insult you. And then they began going in, uh, talking about the consent part again, okay, because we put the phone number down on the application. And so I had already previously told them that uh, via email that um, at some point in time when they began to call that, you know, the consent was revoked, okay. We were, it were advised that, you know, uh, I traded the vehicle in, you know, no need for you guys to call me. I can give you the phone number for the dealership. You can talk to them and find out why everything wasn't paid. They they stopped calling for a minute. They began calling back again. So they uh, so you had suggested send me the recording. Well, they carefully selected a recording that gave up um, pretty much you know me verifying some information, you know, with them just to just to talk to them, find out exactly what this was about, um, you know, which is is not giving them consent. Okay. Um, they're still not trying to make much of an offer. Um, you know, they, 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 they keep saying something. It's the second time that they said that. They said, if you would like to counter our offer, please feel free to do so. Right. Have you have you received something like that before? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, that's typical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, they're, they're going to they're gonna make you an offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they made you an insult offer. Right. And when I get an insult offer, I'll tell somebody that I don't make counteroffers to insults. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, given that the uh, potential damages available to me for 42 phone calls is $1,500 for 41 and $500 for the other, and I come up with that, that's substantially more than your offer. However, if you are willing to make a bona fide, sensible offer to begin settlement negotiations, I am more than happy to entertain that offer and possibly make a counteroffer to it. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to make a counteroffer to an insult. Gotcha. And what you do is you throw the big number at them. You know, mm-hmm. forty-one phone calls at fifteen hundred apiece. That's about sixty thousand. And then the five hundred dollars. You know, there's potential here for sixty approximate. In fact, I think it'd be easy to just say for approximately sixty thousand dollars in statutory damages should the court find the calls were knowing and willful. But even if the court made no determination of knowing and willful, there's still approximately $20,000 plus on statutory damages available to me. And it is not up to $500 per call. Statutory damages 
are $500 per call. I'll, I'll put that in there because what, what do I do by stating that? I tell them, I know something about the TCPA because a lot of them will come back, oh, well, it's up to $500 a call. I shut that off before they ever get a chance to throw that BS out there. You know, statutory damages are 500 per call, uh, not up to 500, which you may have assumed, or you know, say something like that. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, when when you are will make a bona fide, reasonable offer of settlement, I am more than happy to consider that offer and possibly counteroffer to to start negotiations and see if we can reach a resolution of this matter. If not, we'll just let a jury decide. And I'll always okay. throw that in there. I'm always going to mention jury. They don't like juries because jury means uncertainty to them. Mm-hmm. But that's how I do it. Okay. And that's the reasoning behind it. Okay. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay. And then the last maybe sentence or so um, in, the, in this email uh, after about the offer says, uh, if you are not interested in, in trying to resolve this matter and wish to formally pursue your claim, I would direct your attention to the valid and enforceable arbitration provision in your retail installment contract. I know there that's is BS. Okay. Yeah, that's that's BS. They there is no uh, enforcement uh, contract uh, for TCPA violations. Okay. Well, I think they were referring to the contract in the uh, in the loan for the auto. Well, yeah, but the problem is you're not dealing with a debt for the auto, so there's nothing to negotiate that that the uh, arbitration applies to. Gotcha. Arbitration. Yeah, you know, I tell them. You know, I I tell them. You know, I I'm more than happy to discuss a settlement in this, but I'm you know, uh, given the substantial amount of damages available to me, um, your offer is inconsequential and and as I previously said, an insult. And I, I do not like being insulted. I, okay. Please keep in mind I'm willing to discuss this, but we have to have a reasonable starting point to see if okay. we can reach a resolution. All right, and this $360 balance will not fall underneath the uh, arbitration. Well, it, it, if, the if you, don't, you don't owe the $360, no. do you? Right. No, I don't. Well, then that's not an issue. Yeah. That's 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 nothing. There isn't anything to arbitrate under that agreement. There was no debt to begin with. Okay. And the arbitration does. Uh, it, it, see, there was no cause for them to be calling you. There was no debt. So there's nothing. There's no arbitration clause that applies to the phone calls. If there was a debt and there was something in there, arbitration of any legal issues that may arise from this contract, so on and so forth, they might be able to try and hook you in there. But the fact that there was no debt, it, they, you know, it was a mistake on their part, it doesn't drag TCPA violations into a non-existent arbitration agreement. Okay. 
And one other thing I forgot to tell you, they sent a letter uh, not long after the vehicle was um, traded in, saying yeah. there was a zero balance on the account. And it may have been about two years before anybody started pursuing this small balance, which started out um, in the phone call, it said something about 200 and I think $248 or $38, that's where it started at, and just through interest and BS, it, 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 it snowballed up to three sixty. Uh huh. You know, and so I still have a copy of that. And in this email, that was one of the things that they requested. They said that, uh, you know, can you can you show us proof that you, know, you got a letter saying that it was it was paid? Yeah. So shall I shall I include that in uh, in, in the return email on tomorrow? Well, now let let me ask you a question here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to get paid? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Or do you want to have a fight? Yeah, you I'll can withhold that and say, I'm not going to give it to you. If you want it, you got to go through discovery after I sue you. And no. Do I want to fight? No. I want a check. I'm going to give them the evidence because I'll give it to them and present it to the court if I end up having to sue them anyway. So why withhold it? It may be one of the things that's key to getting a settlement and putting a check in your hand. Okay. You know, some people, and I'm not. This isn't. I'm not saying this about you at all. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there are some people out there that want to be bullheaded and they just want to fight. You know, I'm not going to give them that. The only way they're going to get that is to do discovery in court. No, I want a check. Yeah. I'm going to give them every reason in the world to go. Oh crap! This guy's got a good case against us. We better cut him a check. Right. There you go. Okay. All right, that's what I needed. I'll uh, hopefully I can get on Cherry's call by Thursday and give you guys an update on it. Okay, that'll be good. All right. Appreciate your advice. All right. Oh, I did not advice, just suggestions well, on what I do if I was in your shoes. <laughs> suggestions, okay. <laughs> All right, thanks again. Have a good night. You bet. You too. You're welcome. All right. Oh, I, I love these guys. Oh, yeah, we're going to drag you into mediation. Or arbitration. Arbitration on what? There was no legitimate debt. And you think you're going to drag TCPA into a non-existent arbitration agreement? You got rocks in your head, son. Okay, who else has got a question for us? We have uh, got uh, about 15 minutes left or we can uh, discuss anything uh, for... Anybody that's been in the crypto space, they know that the uh, uh, the crypto world is taking a break, and uh, the values have come down. Uh, Bitcoin is uh, right now the Bitcoin futures are down eleven hundred and fifty dollars. They're trading at twelve thousand seven ninety five. E, uh, EOS EOS was way up. And uh, it came back down. It's come down, uh, made about a 38% retracement. Uh, EOS was up to a high of 1871, and it's currently trading at 1236. And uh, Syndicator, CND, uh, was up to... uh, about 12 cents, and it's back down to uh, 8 cents right now. 
So the balances have been uh, bouncing up and down. Everything's been going sideways. We're seeing weakness pretty much across the board. Uh, Ripple, uh, the other day, everybody went on a rip with that, which was ridiculous, and I knew that wasn't going to last. There was a lot of people that got suckered in on that one. The symbol on that is XRP. That went up over $3. And people don't understand what it is and how many of them are out there. And it's dropped about 50%. So the people that bought it at over $3 are uh, kind of getting beat up. It's at $1.62 right now. So um, it's been kind of interesting to watch the uh, crypto world. These markets trade up and down. And I'm kind of kicking myself. I was going to get out of EOS up around $18 and wait till it came back down and buy back in, and I should have, but that's all right. I've wrote it down. And the same thing with uh, the uh, syndicator, CND, because it's, it's come down. Both of them have come, come down roughly about one-third, but I think we're pretty close to our bottoms in these things. We're, we're hitting key support levels in most of these markets around here. So the, the crypto markets have been pretty weak after the first of the year, year here. They had a, a little bit of a rally around the, uh, to around the 5th of uh, January. But uh, in the last uh, week, they have been just gradually, uh, Bitcoin uh, has been selling off there's not a lot of heavy selling. Uh, there's not a lot of liquidation. This is just normal movement in these markets. But I think we're uh, setting up for some pretty substantial moves to the upside this year. So, you know, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But uh, that's pretty much what's going on in the crypto space. It is uh, uh, just one of these things where you watch things go up and down and of course, I'm a trader, so I look at the technical side of things and I see where things are. And uh, I passed on taking my profits and letting it come back and buy in again. And, and that's okay. I write it down. I write it back up. It'll go higher. So anyway, I don't have any other hands that have come up here. So uh, we're fairly close to the end of the uh, regular allotted time. So I guess we'll wrap things up tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, there is no call. It is the off week for the blog talk radio calls. Uh, there will be a Tuesday night call a week from tomorrow. But I think Terry is probably going to have her call on Thursday night, her Wednesday call. It's yep. really good at running a delayed call anymore. That's become a real habit with her. But uh, she says she is feeling a little better. She is getting a little more sleep. As most of you know, if you were on her call, she was extremely sick last week. It has been for a couple weeks. So uh, she is recovering slowly but surely. So uh, her call will be at 8 o'clock on Thursday. And if you are not on her email list to get the uh, call information or the other information she sends out, Send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Just say, please put me on the list. That's all you got to do. And keep in mind, she does not send a call reminder out every week. So when you get that with the, pin, the call number and the PIN, uh, hang on to that email. 
because her email constraints, being on a satellite now, uh, she doesn't send the emails out every week like she usually does. So please keep that in mind. Uh, and with that said, thank you, John. Thank you, Terry. And Hello. I appreciate you guys being here tonight. And uh, we we had some interesting conversation tonight. Hello. Thanks Hello. for hosting the call. I heard somebody saying hello there. Hello. Yeah, who's saying hello? Hi. This is Joe. I'm up in South Dakota. Okay. I I don't know. I must not have showed up on your board. I was unmuted. Mm, uh, no, you you have to hit star eight to put yourself in in the queue. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's how you put yourself in the queue to. Uh, get your questions answered. But uh, you're on here. We're, we got a couple minutes here. I was wrapping things up. But uh, if you got a question, we'll we'll go ahead and take it. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I won't I won't take more than a few minutes here. I was on your uh, was on the call last week. Um, I think it was last Tuesday, and I was talking about trying to put together um, a uh, a lawsuit. Um, one. Uh, question I have real quick is regarding TCPA. Um, I've had one debt caller uh, that called me four times. Um, the first two times that this debt caller uh, called me, I didn't answer the phone. Um, I was, I wasn't with the, I was, the phone was somewhere else at the time. I didn't answer it. The third time it rang I didn't answer it. They left a voicemail uh, identifying who the caller was and, and who the debt collector was and um, giving a phone number to call them back at. Okay. Quick and question th- here. Sure. Quick question here. Is it, First of all, is this a cell phone? Yes. Or a landline? Cell phone. It's a cell phone. Okay. Now, on the third one where they left a voicemail. Was it an automated voicemail or was it a live person? That's a good question. I'm thinking it was automated because it did not uh, identify me by name. Um, There was a kind of a, at the beginning of the call, it sounded like there was sort of 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 a mechanical connection well, but on a, on a uh, recorded call like that, I mean, it didn't sound like a computer-generated voice. It, no. Would that be? Uh, okay. All right. And then what about the fourth call? The fourth call, I was at work. I answered the call. Uh, I said, hello. No answer. I said, hello, about eight or nine times over the span of, I don't know, six or seven seconds. Mm-hmm. There was no answer. And so I ended the call by saying, please don't call this cell phone number. And then I hung up. Right. So I've had a total of four calls from this one particular debt collector. Well, it was at the same number? Yes. Okay. This number that shows up on my caller ID has an Iowa prefix number. Um. What is it, a 515 maybe? 
It's a 563. It's a Davenport, Iowa. Okay. Number. That's where I used to live, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm from. I'm from Iowa, too. Oh, okay. Anyway. I, I lived I in call, Davenport and Bettendorf for 32 years till I finally escaped 26 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was over in Sioux City. Unfortunately, yeah. I went north instead of south, so I didn't I didn't go the right direction. But anyway. Yeah, you'd think so I'd I, be down here where it's a lot warmer, but it's not. <laughs> Well, but anyway, it's warmer than I'm in South Dakota right now, or it's about ten below. So I, I, I can't feel say, too sorry for you. <laughs> you think, yeah, yeah. We're supposed to get down to thirteen above zero tomorrow night, so that'll be that'd yeah. be pretty warm for you guys. I would take that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, um, I dialed this five six three number. Yeah. On a different cell phone, just to see, you know, what would happen, and the five six three number connects you directly to this debt collector, which is uh, out of, uh, it's a different state. I think it's Texas. I'm not sure. The debt collector is Collie and Bergman. I don't know if you're familiar with them. No. I don't think they're a very big agency. Anyway, I got the four phone calls from this 563 number. Um, The first two I didn't answer. The third one was a voicemail. The fourth one, there was a long pause. And, and then said, nobody ever showed up. Nobody ever answered. I ended the call by saying, don't call right. the cell number anymore. And then I hung up. So I've had a total of four phone calls from this one particular debt collector. Um, and these were from, this happened in, in uh, from the, the, the 6th of December until the 29th of December. Uh-huh. That was the that was the fourth and final one. That was the that yeah. was the one where I said don't call me anymore. Yeah. Do you have that number handy? handy? Yeah. I've got it right here. What is the number to you? 563 uh-huh. 723-3876. <laughs> okay. Uh Not really. Uh, it's not coming up on 800 notes. Is that what's called a spoof? Well, it's it's five six three three eight seven six. It's uh, uh, it's a Davenport number, obviously. But, right. But uh, it's not. There's, it's, there's it's various not, systems that they use. Um, yeah. And this actually, it's it's showing as a Bettendorf number, right? But e- either way, um, the problem, the problem that I see with your situation for TCPA, okay, is that you really only have uh, evidence really uh, solid evidence of a violation on one call. And that's your last one. The first two, you, you it's going to be hard for you to uh, extrapolate. If you had 30 calls, 24 calls, right. something like that, yeah. that's, that's one right. thing. But there's no way for you to really determine... Um, on the uh, 
where they left a voicemail for you, if it was obviously a computer-generated voice, then you could say, okay, violation, you know, you could allege a good violation there. The last one, yeah, you can allege a good violation there, but um, they have, uh, you know, they, they get one freebie call, but they don't get away with that on the last one. But for you to try and allege the other two calls, uh, they can say that, you know, oh, well, we had somebody that tried to call you and you didn't answer, so um, mm -hmm. they just didn't leave a message. Uh, you'd have you'd have a tough go in court, very honestly, with just four calls and the evidence you you've got there. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with this. Uh, just what uh, how, what my odds would be in court, and I and I guess I kind of came to the same conclusion that based on the on the TCPA you know webinars that I've been listening to, that what I had here wasn't really anything that was probably going to be uh, very support that was going to be supported too much in right. court. Now, um, what you could do, <clears throat> you never know, but you could uh, you could send them a notice of intent to sue. You know, I received four calls uh, from from you from the same number, including a. Uh, automated voice message and another call where there was no one there. Uh, these are violations of the TCPA and I'm willing to settle this matter uh, without litigation should you be so interested. And maybe you can get them to cough up a few bucks. Well, not only that, but after the initial contact which would be the voicemail right um i have never received a dunning letter from them okay do you have any idea so, what they might be calling about oh yeah they identified themselves as a debt collector oh okay oh that's right on, on the one where they uh uh left a voicemail correct and, All right. and well, that voicemail, that would be a contact. That would be the initial contact. That's right? initial contact, and, and they needed to have sent a, a letter out to you within five days. Nope. That's an FDCPA violation. Right. Okay, well, I sent them a notice of intent to sue. But then I got to follow through, right? Of course. Well, generally I don't uh, like to... Uh, send a notice of intent to sue if I'm not going to follow through. But you, right, right. you know, you, you've got the voicemail. That's evidence that they called. You had the communication that you didn't get the letter. That's that's pretty pretty open and shut FDCPA. Right. So you know, uh, given you know my notice of intent to sue, you know they contact you. Well, you know, given the fact that uh, the FDCPA is a thousand dollars, and that's a clear-cut violation because you failed to uh, send me a notice, and uh, there's four phone calls at uh, five hundred dollars a piece. You know, yeah. I I I uh, you know I'd be willing to settle this matter for twenty-five hundred dollars. I thought about that. Um, my 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 concern is, would I be 
poking the, the wasp's nest. What do you mean? Well, they uh, claim that I owe them roughly $12,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not yet sent them a validation letter because I wanted to talk talk to you guys about it first. Okay. Um, well, you should always so, send the validation letter. Well, that, I thought I was waiting to see. Yeah. I wanted to see if there's any more violations from them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and send them a debt validation letter. I've got one ready right here, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, well, but, keep in mind uh, one, well, one. Yeah, keep in mind one important thing here. You got a one-year statute on FDCPA, and you got four years right. on the TCPA. So you got plenty of time. Go ahead and send your debt validation letter and see what happens. All right, this is where I get scared because <laughs> I'm new at this. Okay. Well, don't be scared. It's 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 well, called just learn. You know, learn. Get yeah. factual information. But overall, nobody's really bothered me. Okay, I get these letters. I send them debt validation letters. They leave me alone for the most mm-hmm. part. If I and and this particular debt collector is alleging that I owe them twelve thousand dollars, right? For what? So, uh, for a debt that they say that they have acquired from a a credit card company. Okay, it's a credit card. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I can send them a debt validation letter, no problem. But to send them a notice of intent to sue, and that's where I'm wondering if I'm if I'm if I'm kicking the hornet's nest. Well, I might get I might well, get a couple thousand from them, but then they're going to turn back and say I pissed them off. Now they're going to come after me for twelve. Well, you you don't I don't think you want to go down that road. Don't don't be thinking those thoughts. Okay. What you need to do is just deal with the facts. You don't need to do a notice of intent to sue right now. What what you said here, go ahead and send them a debt validation letter. Okay. Right. Now, how how long ago would you have defaulted on that credit card? Uh, uh, it's been, uh, it has been roughly uh, a year and a half. Okay, so it's still within the statute of limitations more than likely where you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, six okay. years. Yeah, okay. You you got a six year? Yes. Okay. All right. So you've been doing a little bit of homework there. That's good. Oh, um, yeah, I've been looking at South Dakota yeah. laws. Yeah, well, oh, that's good, and that's what people should be doing. Yeah. That's fine. Um, yeah, what, what I would do, given our conversation here, what you've told me, go ahead and send the debt validation letter out, and then just see what happens. Okay. All right. uh, and what what was the name of the uh, debt collection company again? Callie, that's C as in cat, A W L E Y, uh-huh. and Bergman, Bergman B B E R G M A N, yeah, M A A N, yeah. That's not a real familiar name. Callie. I didn't think it was probably a. It's not one I've heard before anyone talk about, so I figured it was probably a smaller agency. Yeah, yeah. Collie and Bergman, uh, Eagle River, uh, or River Edge, New Jersey. They're out of New Jersey. Okay. 117 uh, Kinder Kamak Road. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And not only that, but I, I, I said I was looking at some of the South Dakota uh, telemarketing code, and I wonder if 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 uh, if I send them this notice to in the, of intent to sue, should I me- should I mention South Dakota telemarketing code? No, 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 no. You don't get into that. You don't educate them with a notice of intent. All right. It's a notice, but you're not even at that point yet. Just hold off on that. Send your All right, so just send the validation. Yep, right. yep. That's where you are right now. Okay. Well, that's really that kind of uh, uh, answers the rest of my of my questions. Okay. Uh, yeah. One thing at a time. Like I say, you're not in a pinch time wise. Uh, you got a one year statute on uh, FDCPA and four years on TCPA. So let's uh, send that and just see what happens. Go from there. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. You know, trying to immerse myself as much as I can in the FDCPA, TCPA, FCRA, the South Dakota yeah. laws, UDAP, and yeah. there's so much to learn. Uh, well, there's a lot out there. Take, take I want to one bite sure at a prepared, time. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. Take one bite at a time. Don't try to eat um, the elephant all in one bite. One last really quick question. Again, uh, going with TCPA, I've got. Um, <laughs> I heard you actually talking about having a couple of track phones. Um, so I went out and I got a couple of track phones. And um, I tell you, these track phones are like fish jumping into the boat. You don't have to put a, a line in the in the water, you know. I thought, probably, <laughs> uh, seriously, uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. From well, yeah, from, I, the, the the phone I use is a track phone. Yeah. Well. For, from the uh, uh, from the second of January until today, I've had uh, thirty eight different calls on two oh different God. track phones. Yeah, oh and they're all, uh, uh, but they're all over the place. Um, and so uh, again, it sounds like from what you told me that uh, maybe I should bide my time on these on these track phone calls and uh, uh, and just. Uh, There's a four-year statute of limitations okay. on TCPA is what I'm going to tell you at this point. I All think right. that would be a good place to just leave it. I hear you. Okay. All right, Dave. I appreciate uh, your advice. And, uh, all right. I, I, I just, Not I just advice, want to thank all of you. Just suggestions. I understand. <laughs> okay. But I want to thank all you guys. Uh, I, I, I listen to your archives, and, man, you guys are doing the Lord's work, I'm telling you. Thank you so much. Well, you're uh, welcome. It, it, it is so much appreciated. Yeah, we we enjoy what we do. We do. That's why we do it. Well, and I tell you what, because it sure you, isn't for the money. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's it's it, it gives you a feeling of of you know you have a you you've got a, you can fight back, and that's exactly to me, that's really what it's all about. You got to yep. be able to fight back. Yep. All right. Well, I'll let you guys go. All righty. Thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. Night. All right, everybody. We're going to wrap it up. That was our last one for tonight. And uh, again, thank you, Terry. Thank you, John. And uh, we will talk to everybody on Terry's call on Thursday night. Uh, and I hope everybody stays warm. Stay warm, everybody. Be safe out there. Don't let the floods and the snow and the ice and everything else eat you up. Good night, everyone.
Good night. Good night.